Welcome to For the Love of Books, a podcast by North Lancashire Libraries. Hi everyone, welcome back to the North Lancashire Libraries podcast for the love of books. My name is Chris Wilson, the e-services librarian, and we are back with our season four of our podcast. And today I'm joined by Russell Brown and Drew Feeney. Now, Russell, I can't remember what your actual job title was apart from boss. So could you remind me what the job title was? Oh, it changes week to week. Um <laughs> Currently, a digital and support services manager, but that is due to change. I'm pretty certain. I haven't been told what to, but it will change. <laughs> and of course, Drew is the librarian at Airdrie Library as well. Um, and we thought we'd come back with, with our first episode of season four as a bit of a celebration to most of our libraries being reopened, because we now have got 16 libraries reopened at this point, um, and um, which is much more than we've had at any point for the last like year and a half, I think. So it's, we're, we're going quite well. Um, and I thought we'd just have a wee chat about how great it is to be reopened and stuff. So, Russell, I thought we'd kind of kick you off, go to you first and see it's been a bit strange times the last year and a half. However, we are starting to get back to normal a little bit. As I say, we've got 16 opened and by the time this podcast goes out, we'll have three of our libraries back to pre-COVID hours, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but what has been the big challenges in returning the service to that point and getting us back to being open to where we are? Oh, well, many and varied, as you would imagine. Um, I think first and foremost is just to say that it's absolutely brilliant that we're back, that our libraries are open, although I do appreciate that at the moment quite a lot of the libraries are open on reduced hours. Um, But there has been many, many challenges just to even get to that point because quite a lot of the buildings were shut for better part of a year, just over a year. So as you can imagine, we have some actual building issues, which I'm sure we've all, you know, working libraries been fully aware of. So we've (laughs) airs and leaks libraries unfortunately do leak an awful lot uh so we've, we've had quite a number of issues in regards to repairs external repairs to buildings uh repairing roof leaks um which has delayed some of the buildings being reopened uh we've also had some issues just inside getting things tidy because as i say that the, the spaces haven't been used for quite a while uh so re- reorganizing and tidying the spaces um I suppose in one sense we've been lucky that some of the spaces have been used by other other services while we've been closed. So Chapel Hall Library, for instance, was used by the nursery uh, while we were closed. So getting that back up to up to speed after that is is obviously going to be proving quite a, a, a you know a challenge. Drew, I'm sure you can talk about that later. <laughs> um, we've also had. Uh, uh, school at Christon using Christon Library so it meant that we had limited opening hours uh, initially for that until the end of the school term and I managed to open up so just practical day-to-day issues that have been accumulating over that, that kind of year year and a bit that we've had to deal with getting staff back reorientating staff uh, getting all the uh, COVID uh, set up prepared because we've got to make sure the buildings are, are COVID secure and entrances and exits are COVID secure running track and trace, every having to wear masks. I could go on, as you can imagine, <laughs> multifaceted. Um, but it's been great to have people buy. It's been great to be able to, to continue to purchase new stock and get new stock out and people can borrow it to see faces, even though those those faces have been covered in masks more often than not. But it's been great to see people, uh, for people to come in. Uh, and now as, as we go forward to even more op- of a further opening up of the society, what I'm hoping we'll, we'll see is our libraries are going to put a bit more. As you mentioned, there are there are, there are three libraries opening full time from next week. Um, I forget whether well, is that the ninth? No, yes, I think. Yeah. Um, and also uh, 
uh, will be announcing uh, that uh, Wishart will be opening evenings as well from the week after. So we can do more once we're open um, and we, we can, we're putting chairs out. People can now come in and sit. Uh, we're extending the amount of time that people can sit at a computer to two hours. So we're slowly but surely getting back to some normality. But all of this has been a challenge to prepare that and to uh, make sure staff understand the safety protocols that are in place to have to continue to follow hand washing procedures. Um, all of these things need to be put in place at the beginning to make sure people are safe and secure and feel safe when they come into our buildings. So those have been the kind of main challenges, I guess, you know, over the kind of last kind of few months. But welcome, because it's good to see that the library is back open. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's a big relief to to both our library members and probably to all of our staff as well, um, that we that we're kind of getting back to some sort of normality in terms of that. We have obviously managed to kind of provide a, a library service through Borrowbox while we've been well we've been closed, but there is some people who do just love the good old fashioned book and also access to our computers and things like that. And Drew Russell touched a little bit on Chapel Hall. That must be a bit of a challenge there to get yeah. Chapel Hall a bit up and it's been a challenge the whole way through, Chris, the, the Chapel Hall, because as Russell said, um, Chapel Hall was used by our nursery colleagues um, more or less for the last year since the summer last year until uh, just, just at the end of the school term there. Um, so Chapel Hall in itself became a completely different facility and the library had effectively just to move out. So there's all sorts of logistical challenges within that. Where does the stock go? Where does the fixtures and fittings go? Um, it has to be then made safe and appropriate for a nursery. So all of these challenges had to be done at pace uh, last summer, um, which we were able to do. Um, during the second lockdown, the building itself was completely closed for all, all concerned. But we were lucky there from April. Um, as the, the, the nursery reopened, that Chapel Hall was able to reopen as a satellite library. Um, currently, it's open for two afternoons a week, but it's, it was wonderful just to get a semblance of service back there. Um, yeah. We are now going to be moving on to the next phase of Chapel Hall, which is to get it ready to reopen fully, um, which is going to, again, be a logistical challenge, putting it back together. But it's something we're, we're really looking forward to. And, and everyone here genuinely is looking forward to getting in about it and getting everything uh, set back up there and back up and running. A couple of wee things I'd like to can add for Russell. Russell covered it all there, what the challenges are. Operationally, um, some of our challenges here is, is we take great pride in what we do, and I think we do across the board, and, and offering as full a range of service as we can within COVID restrictions has been a real challenge because we always want to do more. Yeah, We always want to do more, and, and simply we weren't allowed at points to do what we wanted to do. That's slowly coming back now, and we're able to kind of start looking ahead and looking at possibly getting our groups back in smaller scales and possibly getting our room hires back eventually and things like that. Um, and another challenge within that is dealing with change almost on a daily basis. You know, things changing at a governmental level affects us and the service um, virtually on a daily basis, as I say. Things that were appropriate one day suddenly become not appropriate and we have to adjust to that whilst maintaining a quality that we, that we aim for all the time anyway. So, that's really been difficult, but I think we've, we've absolutely risen to it. The staff and, and the customers and, and everyone involved has risen to it. And we're at the point now where we're able to kind of think about opening up more and doing more. And, and that's exciting for everybody. Yeah, I think there's definitely some exciting times ahead. And, and like I say, hopefully with not to the future, being able to return some of the kind of book groups and 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 everyone will be looking forward to book bug, I'm sure, coming back at some point and things like that, which will be massive. Um, and and it's just kind of the point we're kind of 
the, the, the light is in the horizon a little bit as to where we can possibly see these points happening, which is fantastic. And as we have said, that a lot of changes do happen quite regularly, um, and we do have a COVID page on the Culture and Libraries pay, uh, Culture and Library website that is dedicated to kind of keeping up to date about all the, the various restrictions or, or guidelines and things like that for the service. So if you do want to find out a wee bit more before you head along to the library, do go to culturenl.co.uk slash COVID-19 and all the latest information about the libraries and the other services that Culture Now have in the past have, have uh, managed are all there as well. So you can kind of have a wee look through there and see what's happening as well for, for things like Summerly um, and things like that as well. So do have a wee look there. Now, Drew, we did mention there about how it's exciting times. Uh, what's been the response um, at Airdrie Library from the library members coming back in? What, what kind of things have they seemed to miss? What does it look as if they've been enjoying now that they're back in? Um, since we managed to get the libraries reopened? Oh, I think it's been overwhelmingly positive. It's been a wonderful response from everybody. Everybody that comes in the door says how delighted they are to be back with us. Um, many have openly said that to us as they approach the desk, as they approach Track and Trace. It's amazing to be back, particularly in Airdrie, I think, because it's such a historic place and it's right in the heart of the town and it's beloved by everybody that comes into contact with it. Um, many people seem to have genuinely missed us. Um, missed the staff, missed the service, missed the building itself. Um, I think particularly the community aspect of the library, many people have missed. We see a lot of regulars every single day, same faces every single day, um, and they've missed that, and we're starting to see that coming back again. So it's a wonderful thing. It's wonderful to be able to open the doors and have people coming back and getting back to what they're used to again. Um, I think some of the services that we offer have been hugely missed. We had talked there about computer access, um, access to the, the book stock itself clearly has been a, a massive thing. These have been hugely missed. Um, although Borrowbox has been wonderful over the the, the lockdown periods, um, I think, as you'd mentioned, Chris, the physical book is, is something that people do love to have. Um, I think the, the quality of, I know we'll talk about this in a bit, but the quality of the stock that we have just now is, is perhaps the best it ever has been uh, for a variety of reasons round about that. But we've invested heavily over the lockdown period in new stock and in making our libraries um, almost brand new, if you like, as you come in. The, the amount and quality and depth of stock that you'll see when you come into the library now is, as I say, perhaps the best it ever has been. Um, and also, as I say, there's been lots of positive comments about the e-services that we've been offering um, during the lockdown period and that they've kept people ticking along. They've kept people engaged yeah. with the service. And they've kept us engaged with the, our, our borrowers as well. You know, a lot of the digital education and digital sort of engagement that we did over the lockdown has kept us in, engaged with the the, the customer, um, which has been a brilliant two-way thing. So so it's been an overwhelmingly positive response on the ground here um, to us opening back up. And I think that will just continue as we open up more and get back to a wee bit more normality. Yeah, as e-services librarian, it's fantastic to hear that people are actually making comment about how, how fantastic Borrowbox was during the lockdown period. So um, that makes me very, very happy. But I, I do think, like you say, I mean, even just the simple thing about the kind of coming in and just chatting to people and, and getting to meet people. Obviously, for a long period, that there was the kind of lock, strict lockdown period where it was like kind of you pretty much have to stay in your house and, and only go out for shopping and things like that sort of stuff. And I mean, it was a big isolating period for for a lot a lot of people. And and libraries have always been places where 
people do come and kind of get that little bit of a chat with the staff or maybe friends and they meet up with and things like that. So I, I do think that people will have missed that greatly and it's great to, to see that that's coming back and people will get that kind of little bit of um, kind of chat with, with people and, and and lose that isolation that we've that we've unfortunately had to to go through over the last year and a half. So it's it's good to hear. I, th- I think Chris, that's exactly what you know. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Really, that that what we can do with opening up is go back to that, go back to that that welcoming environment, that supportive environment that people are used to, that they can come in and sit in. It's non-judgmental. They can come and sit all day if they want, um, and and they can access to the services and they can meet people. And I think one of the biggest concerns we've had over that lockdown period is that we don't see people and we don't see them and support them in the way we we, we have been able to do before. And if we can get back to being able to do that and to get back to being that safe space people can come into and use, then that is, is hugely positive from, from our point of view and positive, obviously, for our customers. You know, um, we want to see people come in now. We want to see people use the spaces like they used to. We've still got a few steps in the road to, to get to full service. But the light, as you said, is at the end of the tunnel now we can see where we are opening up a bit more and getting back to those services that people expect you know that they can come in and use whenever they want um and and from our point of view that's that's really positive the one thing i would say though but i mean slightly different off on track there um is i'd like to uh, take this opportunity to actually uh, really praise the staff for the last year and a half absolutely i think the staff have been absolutely fantastic across the board i think the online services we've done have been hugely innovative and if anybody has not tapped into them you can still do so <laughs> um you know just a little plug there um but the things we've been able to do the the, the challenge that was that we've raised to over the last period of time has been nothing short of, of of impressive and all the staff have pulled together and it's been it's been fantastic to see you know so it did all you know all thank you to all the staff for what they've done and how they support the service over the last year and a half uh, and, and without it we wouldn't have been here yeah, yeah. I, I second that hugely um the staff have been so flexible and so adaptive and so willing to go the extra mile that it takes to kind of get us back to where we need to be even in the short term and and as i say with change thrown at them from all sides all the time they they've taken that head on and, and every single time it's it's come up they, they've met the challenge head on so i second that hugely russell the staff have been absolutely key in all of this and any success that we go on to have is is entirely because of them yeah, and and I do think that the, with our libraries reopening, um, the the library members obviously have that benefit of libraries open, but I'm sure the staff have enjoyed that benefit a bit too because it's uh, they ha- although we have adapted to the situation that we've had to be in, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of them will enjoy kind of being able to get back and 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 kind of again the same sort of benefits to the library members see their work colleagues kind of be able to have a kind of daily chats with them and and just experience kind of being in that working environment again with with their colleagues who they've, they've probably not had much of a chance to kind of meet too much in person at least over the last kind of year or so I, th- I think as well you, we have to kind of remember as well that um, although the vast majority of staff were were weren't at work during the lockdown periods, the work of the library did go on in the background too. Um, the non-facing work of the library was was very much still happening, and as Russell said right at the start, lots of um, our focus then shifted quite a lot to maintenance, to maintaining buildings, to to working towards COVID compliance. So um, the staff have all had to adapt to that. And you have to remember that, that people coming back to work after an extended period away is, is a real kind of mental challenge as well. Yeah. And they've all totally risen to that. Um, so so in all ways, people that were still at work have had different challenges from people that weren't. But everyone's 
risen to the challenge and 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 only now we're starting to see the kind of benefits of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would absolutely, I would absolutely you know, agree with that. I think, you know, those of us who've been lucky enough, and I will say that, to continue to work during lockdown, <laughs> didn't feel like it was lucky sometimes, but, you know, we, we've been busy, we've been managed to, you know, work from home and, and do things on computers and things like that. But we know there are staff that have been furloughed, you know, and have not been able to do that and have been not engaged with the, those day-to-day routines. And it's been difficult, I think, for some people to come back to that. And they have risen to the challenge for that as well. And and that's something we're very much aware of going forward, that as you get back to your normal contracted hours and, you know, the routines are coming in and meeting other people, it's not easy to just slot back into that straight away. But it's, again, it's impressive how people have done that and have, and have, and have been able to come back and, and, and you know, uh, without too much fuss and, and, and start this slot service back up again. So, but again, yeah, that, that you know, it's, it's difficult for us who's not done that to you know to to to, to see how that's gone but I, it's glad to see again that people are coming back and you know are yes. off furlough as well you know yeah i think as well the, the customers notice that don't they particularly in, the, in our branch libraries the customers like to see a familiar face and, yeah. and they like to have a service that they're used to and and you've absolutely nailed it there as well russell that i think of them um, uh one of the branch libraries that i'm involved with view park that's a very much a kind of community-based facility that the staff know the customers the customers know the staff and all are very comfortable with each other and that's what our service is about it's it's that that comfort and that um accessing the service at a time that's suitable for them with people that they're comfortable with so so to get all of that back to normal um has been a real challenge but hopefully now we're, we're, we're almost there and it's going to be a real benefit for us mm-hmm. yep yeah, hopefully, hopefully. And Drew, you mentioned a little bit earlier on about um, the new stock in the libraries. We yeah. have obviously mentioned about how we've managed to keep sort of access to books going through through Borderbox, but that doesn't mean that over the last year or so that we have completely not bought any new physical books in any way. We have been kind of working away in the background, as you say, to make sure that, that all the new stock is sitting waiting whenever we did get the opportunity to reopen the doors. Um, with that in mind, does it almost have like a, almost like a new library feel to it whenever we ha- you have had been able to open back up? Yeah, I think this this has been one of my favourite cert- certainly jobs over the last kind of year has been the purchase of stock. We've invested heavily in it, and uh, we've bought loads of new titles that um, that are filling our shelves as we speak. Titles that you wouldn't normally um, it sounds daft, but you wouldn't normally necessarily see immediately on the shelves of libraries. One of the, the the sort of side effects of having to suspend the request service because of COVID restrictions has been that new books are actually, as soon as they're received, they're out on the shelves of our libraries, which um, again sounds silly, but it's, it's something that doesn't often happen in normal times because new books are the most popular and they go straight out and they go elsewhere across the service. But if you were to go into any of our libraries at the moment, you're going to see stuff on the shelves that is is, is relevant, is current, is big titles. Uh, there's lots of them. There's multiple copies in a lot of places of the big titles. Um, uh, I think of things like um, we currently downstairs have really big titles on multiple copies, like the Thursday Murder Club, like Shuggy Bane, like, like all of these books that have been huge for the last 12 months. You, you're actually able now... At, to come into the library and pick them off the shelf and take them with you straight away. So that's been a fringe benefit, if you like, of, of having to work within COVID restrictions. Um, I think about our, our children's uh, stock as well, um, particularly supporting the Summer Reading Challenge. We've got multiple copies of things at the moment, like um, the Ichabog or uh, the new David Williams Mega Monster. There's lots of that kind of thing as well. So that's we've invested across the board. It's not just in certain things. Um, our book group titles as well, 
have taken a real boost over the lockdown period and in readiness for his opening again and in readiness for our meetings to, to build up again. So if you're in a book group, um, you're probably in for a treat over the next few months because there's lots of new things for you to, to read. So I think you're right, Chris. I think in a lot of ways it's like being a new library. If, if we were to sit back and go, what would we have multiple copies of in a dream scenario? What would we have lots of to open a new library? I don't think it would be far away from what we actually do have just now. I think the day when Airdrie opened up, for example, um, we all looked here at, at what was sitting out and thought, this looks brilliant. This looks yeah. brilliant. And I know that's replicated across the board um, in all our libraries. Um, so it's really exciting at the moment um, that you can walk in, you can pick up what you want largely and, and take it away straight away without having to deserve and without having to request. It's it's an exciting time to be a member. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's something like Shuggy Bain, for example, um, pre-COVID, probably wouldn't have appeared back on a shelf somewhere for like the next year. <laughs> Exactly. Because of, of reservations, yeah. it would just be constantly kind of flying round about. Obviously, it is good to borrowers, but but it's just you never see it back in its home library sitting on a shelf somewhere for somebody to pick up. And so having, uh, I did notice that whenever I was in there recently um, to take some photos for, for our social media and things like that, that there is lots of great displays of, of really top titles and there are plenty of copies available for everyone to get a hold of so uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, a benefit that we haven't really kind of probably necessarily expected but uh, but it's a nice benefit for, for the library members to to have that at the moment and be able to walk in and and be able to get their hands straight onto some of these big big kind of titles that would normally be part of a, a massive waiting list and a reservation queue um so that's, that's, that's definitely a nice a nice benefit um, it was, it's, good, it's good to know that I mean, what we did over the over the lockdown period was we did have money available. We did continue to spend, uh, you know, that, that none of that was, was week to way. We we continued to spend and 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 to put the stock away in preparation for reopening. And then the, this year the stock the spend has continued. So, you know, that that's also been a positive from our point of view that we did, the money has been made available and we've been able to spend it as 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 we have in the past on on new stock. I'll just add one little flip side to that is the downside to that has been the increased demand on BorrowBox. <laughs> you go on there and see an awful lot of these titles that are oh, <laughs> m- months before you can get them. <laughs> I know you're going to have to have a conversation about that, Chris. You know, <laughs> but, yeah. So that, there's always a, there's always swings around about us on that one, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. There, there are. I mean, the popularity of BorrowBox has been fantastic over the lockdown period, um, and um, but that popularity does come with a bit of a price in terms of. The waiting list may not be in libraries because the reservations are, aren't there, but they unfortunately are appearing on, on BorrowBox instead. Um, and we, we do try and keep that on top of that as best we can um, and, and and where we can reduce the waiting list where we, we possibly can. But um, there, are, there are a few that are very, very popular titles out there that um, probably a couple of the ones that we mentioned, actually, Shoggy Bain and Thursday Murder Club and things like that are, are two that spring to mind where you... You may be waiting a little while if you're a, if you're on BorrowBox for it. So <laughs> you know, pop down to every library. Yeah, precisely, <laughs> precisely. We, we we can help you. We can help you. Come yeah. to any of our main branch libraries or any of our libraries. And we can help you. I've already took advantage of that. You can pick up something else on BorrowBox while you're waiting for for it. <laughs> ah, nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Russell, let's try and look a bit hopefully towards the future. Um, it's getting a bit rosier all the time what else can we hope to achieve with our service recovery in the next kind of few months or, or, or beyond 
uh, hopefully, like I say, a number of things, it's, it's getting much rosier as we go forward. Um, next week's a big change for us again. This week was significant because we we reduced the, the, the one meter one meter distance. We stopped our quarantine in the books. So that will mean book turnover will be much quicker. Uh, we open up the toilets you know, that we manage. So people can go to the toilet now. Uh, we also uh, redu- remove what we call dwell time. So we, you know, before this week, we we're encouraged people to just come in, pick the items and leave. Uh, whereas now we've put soft seating back out again, or we're starting to do that in spaces. Uh, obviously, we're still following local safety protocols and we still need to insist people keep at least one metre distance. Um, but, you know, you can now come in, you can sit, you can read your book, whereas you couldn't do that before. So those things are starting to happen. Uh, we've increased the amount of open hours from next week, and as we've already talked about in some of our libraries, and we'll continue to review that over the next month or so uh, and uh, uh, increase the open hours in our other, other libraries. We are hopefully, fingers crossed, going to get our mobiles back on the road. Uh, one of the one of the challenges we've talked about in terms of, is, of repairs and putting in place uh, safety protocols that's, that's really held us up with the mobiles, but we're hopeful that we can get our moles back on the road uh, shortly as well. Um, we are hopeful that uh, now that we've gone down to one meter, what we can also start doing now is have those one-to-one supports. We can have groups come back in. Uh, we'll look and see how we can do BookBug. I'm sure there's lots of people desperate for BookBug to start up again, <laughs> and we, so are we. So mm-hmm. if we can try and get that up and running again after the summer term, we're certainly going to try and look at that. It may not look exactly the same. It might be slightly reduced in terms of the amount of people can attend because we're still doing some social distancing. We'll probably have to wear masks, but we'll still but we can actually deliver on site now which is something we haven't done before book groups drew already mentioned them great to probably get some book groups back probably do some actual activities on site now whereas we've been all of activities have been online up to now so we're all looking at possibly author visits uh, and, and other school visits eventually so it is looking good that we can now start to can contemplate delivering those and build those up by september what we're also looking to do is make all of our spaces for rent available again so you can hire rooms but that's again that, that's one of the last things we really can try and do because some of the rooms are small so in terms of ventilation we've got to watch that but we think by about the kind of 6th of september that's something else we can do and during all that period we will continue to try and extend extend opening hours back up again to for all of the libraries where we're able to do so and get them back open back to to normality really i suppose as close to whatever normality is as as we as we possibly can be so over the next kind of four weeks six weeks we should see a steady progression of expansion of the, of the service um and you know more things to do the one thing we can't contemplate right now and i'm sure this does frustrate some people but not others um is that we can't start reservations at the moment um the reason we can't is because we're not got full opening hours so it would be unfortunate it would be unfair of us to uh disproportionately affect people who can't get out because the library is open not open as, as opposed to those who can so we've decided that we will suspend reservations for now until we've got a much fuller uh suite of opening hours for our libraries and after that we will then look to get them back up running again Fantastic, fantastic. It will be exciting to be able to get um, all the groups and things like that back up and running that we did previously have. And and I'm sure there's many people out there um, chomping at the bit to get back. Um, We did um, recently have a a book bug session at Summer Lee um, as part of National Play Day, and there was a big interest in that. um, And and it just kind of shows that 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 service there on its own is something that people are really, really desperate to get back to. 
Um, and so it'll be fantastic whenever we can get back to offering that um, as fully as possible again. And uh, with obviously, as you say, guidelines in, in place, but I'm sure it'll be a, a great thing to kind of get the rhymes and stories happening again in our libraries. It's, it's something that it's nice to hear in the background sometimes whenever you're in some of the lives just the songs and rhymes going on and, the, and, and things like that so it'll be nice to kind of get that back in place as well just from that point of view so let's round off guys with having uh, a little think about some of our recent reads so because we, we have to kind of put out some recommendations there for people to kind of have a look at so um drew will we start off with you have you got anything yeah. you'd like to can point out to people yeah, so absolutely. This week, um, our book group met here in Airdrie, and we were reading this week um, Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam. Now, I don't know if you've known this one. Um, it was a very, very big book last year. It's it's a sort of, a, ah, oh my goodness, it's a family drama set around what is you might think is the, uh, an apocalyptic event. Um, Something happens in New York. There's a family on holiday in upstate New York at the time and start hearing rumours about what might have happened. Um, it was a huge book um, during the pandemic for obvious kind of reasons. This family are isolated in a house and not really knowing what's going on in the outside world. Um, and it was a big hit last year. It's so big that there's a Netflix adaptation of it um, due out, I think, September, October, starring Denzel Washington and Julia Roberts. Um, so our book group read it and discussed it this week, and we all absolutely loved it for various reasons. Um, but it struck a chord with us because it's very, very uh, similar to the times that we've all recently lived through. So um, I would definitely recommend that. Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam. Also, another couple just uh, honourable mentions. We've also recently read um, Trio by William Boyd and Mr. Wilder and Me by Jonathan Coe, both books about uh, the film industry in the 60s and 70s novels, um, but both very, very evocative of a certain period of time with certain characters. One features, um, the William Boyd book is, is entirely fictional, about a fictional film being made in Brighton in the 60s. And the Jonathan Coe book, Mr. Wilder and Me, features actual um, cinematic figures, Billy Wilder being the, the, the central figure there. So different approaches to the same sort of thing, but both wonderfully kind of evocative of a certain period and both cracking um, smart reads for the summer, I would think, as well. So if you were looking for something like that, I would go for either of those. So that's that's really where we're at here in Airdrie at the moment. Um, but there's lots lots out there that I could recommend, but I'm going to go for those three. Those three. Fantastic. Now, Russell, I know that your taste in books is a bit, bit different <laughs> from from uh, from from mine at least. So, what what have you got on your uh, your recommendation list? Well, I'm going to surprise you here, Chris, because as you know, <laughs> I've got those two rules that if it hasn't got any zombies in it, and if it hasn't got any dragons in it, I don't read it. <laughs> that's it. That's my that's my two rules. However, I'm actually going to surprise you because I've just found a book that is is stunning. Uh, I've only really started reading it, so I'll give you a, a brief premise of it, but I won't be able to go into much detail. But it's by a, 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 a ghostwriter called uh, Elena Ferranti. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's the Neapolitan series, and it's called My Brilliant Friend. Um, and it is a stunning read. I've only, I say, I've only just started reading it, but even already into it straight away. It's about two, two girls who grow up in 1950s uh, Napoli, and it's about their trials and tribulations of growing up in in, 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 in in poverty, 
in destitution and with a lot of crime. There's a, there's a lot of that story about the local mafia and how they overcome living in the in in the, in that in that uh, area of, of Napoli where there's a lot of crime, a lot of poverty. Uh, but the the writing is absolutely stunning. Uh, it's also a backdrop to the development of Italy as a nation, to the problems of living in Napoli uh, as a city, and it brings both Napoli as a city to life through the characters and through their exploits and through the narrative of, of the story. It is absolutely stunning. I would very much recommend anybody to to, to read that and the other three books uh, in the in the series. There's also, if you don't read that, there's also a, 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 a television series made of it. It's obviously, as you imagine, very very famous in Italy, um, uh, but has, has sold millions of copies worldwide as well. So, no dragons in it, no <laughs> no zombies in it. Uh, you know, so it's, it's it's different for me. But I would very much recommend that. I'm also just a bit of plug on on Borrowbox. I'm also listening to a couple of uh, audiobooks at the moment. Uh, one that is got dragons in it, uh, I think. The Unfinished Tales by J.R. Tolkien. Uh, it's just easy to plug that in and listen. And I've managed to get a copy of The President's Daughter, you know, one by Bill Clinton. Oh, so I yeah. I don't usually, don't usually uh, you know, listen to, to those, like James Patterson and things like yeah. that. But I'll give that a go because it's a nice, easy one to listen to. You know, so I'm, I'm, those are the kind of my three at the moment. I could go on because there's loads of other fantasy novels I'm reading right now. Falls of Erlon is a good one if anybody wants to read that. Um, but those are the three I'd recommend for you right now. I thought, I thought there'd been any dragons in the Bill Clinton one either, though. Well, you might, you no, may be a not, bit not, virtual, not, not, not literal ones, I don't think. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think whenever it comes to mine, I've been kind of reading the books that have been part of our Facebook book group um, reads, um, and the, the one that I really enjoyed quite recently was um, Anna McPartland's Blow the Big Blue Sky, which... It's actually a sequel to um, The Last Days of um, Rabbit Hayes. I've not read that one, um, but I read the second one, um, and it was really, really good. It's it's a quite it's quite an emotional story because it's about the, the family getting to terms with the loss of a family member um, through cancer. And uh, but there are there are moments that will kind of really touch you emotionally, but also kind of there's parts in it that are really really funny as well, and it, and it does that so well, and and it follows in all the family members and their own little stories, and you really kind of feel the personality of all the characters as you go through. So it's definitely a, a, a really good read, and you don't have to have read the first one either to really enjoy it because I haven't. So so you can kind of kind of really get a sense of the the, the characters just from this book on, on its own. Um, the other one that uh, that we did was the Dead Fathers Club by Matt Haig, um, which um, which I, which I, I really it was a really interesting read. Um, the main character in that um, his, his dad has died in a car crash and he starts to see his ghost and he t- starts telling him things as, as it goes through the story, and it's, he tries to kind of tell him to do things and stuff like that. And as you get go through the story, you, you kind of slowly but surely get revealed things about what why that's kind of happening and things. And and it's another really good one. I'm a huge Matt Haig fan as well, so. Uh, pretty much anything that Matt Haig writes, I'm always into and, and would happily read, uh, which is why I'm also really interested to read his new book, which is The Comfort Book. Um, I haven't read that yet, but I do have it sitting ready to, to read. It's not a it's not a fiction book. It's kind of it's um it's one of these sort of um, I don't want really to call it self help book, but uh, but it's that kind of um, little little kind of stories and uh, passages about kind of making you uplifted from if you're feeling a bit a bit down so um so that's that's one that, I, that i'm kind of looking to kind of look forward to as well and i do have another book that i'm really excited to read and you guys are going to probably laugh at me for, for this one <laughs> uh, 
I've not read it yet, but I know it's going to be a cracker, and it's a picture book. There you go. <laughs> and it's called The Whale Who Wanted More by Rachel Bright, and it came out, the, the hardback one came out a while back, but literally I have just picked up the, the, the paperback one today, and and I think I'm more excited about it than my little boy to read it tonight, so <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that one, so that, that's, that's, that's my kind of one set of reading or have read and recently, so that's my recommendation. So there you go. <laughs> you, you, do, you do know that it is, it is the law that if you're a librarian, you have to have at least six books on the go at any one time anyway. So, it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Chris, I look forward to your review of that one, though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, the, the, the Whale That Wanted More is part of a, a children, it's not it's not really a series as such, but it's a kind of collaboration between Rachel Bright and a, an illustrator called Chris Chatterton. Oh, no, sorry, that's the wrong one. The Jim Field. She does another set with Chris Chatterton. This is the Jim Field ones, and they are all fantastic. There's one called The Line Inside, um, and The Squirrels Who Squabbled, and... Um, can't remember the other ones off the top of my head, but they're they're all fantastic and they've all got really good little meanings behind the stories and the the illustrations are fantastic as well. Um, the Chris Chatterton ones are good as well, so do check them out too if you if you're if you're interested. Um, and they're just brilliant. They they just bring a smile to my face whenever I'm reading them to my little boy. So so it's always good. It's always good. But we we're also hopefully going to start a little new feature to our podcast um, by introducing. Uh, well, not interesting, but in, including a little soundbite from an, a staff member who um, has got the recommendations as well by kind of little, they, they are, they're sending in little clips to me and we're going to kind of insert them into the podcast and we will let you guys hear what they have been recommended, recommending as well. And for today's podcast, I have got one from Peter who works at Motherwell Library and we'll put that little clip in now. Hi, my name is Peter from Motherwell Library. Recently, I read The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. I'd highly recommend it because it has it all. It's a murder mystery with a heart. It's nicely constructed, neatly assembled, ingeniously plotted in the best Agatha Christie tradition and has a colourful collection of characters that are entirely credible and very entertaining. I loved it too because it's so quintessentially British and as well as being extremely well crafted, it has a brilliant sense of humour. So this is a book that will make you laugh, intrigue you, surprise you, but above all else, do what every good book should do and that's entertain you. The only downside is when you finish it, You simply want it to run and run. So, pick it up today at your local library. You honestly won't be sorry you did. So there is Peter's recommendation. I hope you do check that out and enjoy it and 
look forward to more little recommendations from staff and going forward as well as we get them. Um, that is the end of our podcast here. So I'd like to thank Russell and Drew for joining me. And I hope we have managed to give you a good little insight into what's been going on with the library service and getting it back up and running. And hopefully you'll be able to get back into the libraries and enjoy them fully in the not too distant future and enjoy them as they are at the moment as well. But hopefully with the book groups and the possibly the book uh, blog coming back in the not too distant future it'll be much more like we don't normally have i hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast if you have please do feel free to leave us some feedback by using the hashtag hashtag flb podcast on twitter or by dropping us a wee email at library podcast at northland.gov.uk and you can find out all that's happening in the libraries over the next little while by going to culturenl.co.uk slash libraries and you'll find all the library information there including what's on as well so you'll get up-to-date information about what's happening in the library right in there on the website but that's all for us guys thank you very much for joining us and we will be back again soon with another episode very soon bye for now thanks a lot bye now. thank you bye